Let us pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you for this opportunity to come together, to be blessed by you, to be encouraged by you, to be challenged by you and to be reminded again of your love that you have for us. Pour down your Holy Spirit on us and give us this sense of what it means to be people who are loved by you. Give us an understanding of faith and how that affects our lives today but also affects our future. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. We continue our Easter focus of Easter living is healing. And we've been looking at these various aspects of what being part of the Christian faith is. And healing in some circles of Christianity is quite strong, but in other circles it's not so strong. And some people are worried about it. And I think part of that is because when we go to God, we want God to answer us favourably and how we like things. And we also things to, like things to be predictable. But I was reminded this week, I was at a conference and someone says, one of the problems with our human nature is we want to be in control and want things to go right. And when things don't go right, we want to blame somebody or we want to sue somebody. And then I thought about my last visit to the doctor and I was with the doctor and I said to him, oh, I've got these aches and pains, what can we do about them? Oh, nothing, you're just getting old, was his response. And I think that's something we need to be aware of. But also, we should be aware of that healing can take place. In today's reading, Jesus said to this man, this man who had been incapacitated for 38 years, he comes along, and we're going to talk a bit more deeper about this section and explore it more. He says to them, get up, pick up your mat and walk. At once the man was cured, he picked up his mat and walked. The day on which this took place was a Sabbath. One of the things that uh, I would encourage you to think about and remember is healing and health care is a significant aspect of Christianity. As it's been part of Christianity through the scriptures, but it's also been throughout history. If you go through the New Testament, there is at least 19 accounts where Jesus heals. And he doesn't always heal the same way. Sometimes he heals because somebody has strong faith or sometimes it's like today, they don't even know who he is and he heals them. But healing is part of the ministry of Jesus. And not only is it part of the ministry of Jesus, it's also the part of the ministry that Jesus gives us as a church We are called as a church to be involved in healing others. And we know not everybody will be involved in all aspects of healing because in 1 Corinthians 12, it encourages us to remember the various gifts that we have in the church. But we're all being called to be part of this healing ministry that Jesus has. And the third aspect is if we go back through the church and throughout history and including our own Lutheran church, there are prayers and rites for healing. There is anointing with oil when people are sick. There is service orders that are focused on healing. The problem is that why we don't often use them is that we think, oh, if we're going to do them, we want this miraculous healing to occur. And if it doesn't occur, we have failed. But we should remember that healing takes form in in a number of different ways. And it it doesn't always occur instantaneously just as we read in the scriptures. You see, healing from a Christian perspective is holistic. It's concerned with physical health, it's concerned with mental health, it's concerned with emotional health, it's concerned with relational health, and it's concerned with spiritual healing. And in fact, a number of hospitals that have looked at chaplaincy as part of, that's an important part of their hospital, 
have said that we, they must be involved in holistic healing, recognising the importance of spiritual healing. Now, one, one doctor said to me, one of the problems, he said, I can fix the broken bones, but I can't fix the broken spirit. And that's an important thing to remember because most of us will know that our health is not just one-dimensional, it's quite multi-dimensional. And here's the other aspect that's important for us to keep in mind because there are Christians at either spectrum of this, that God heals through the gift of trained professionals like doctors and nurses and, and people who are trained in expertise, who, who have learnt stuff and continue to learn stuff. The things you should remember, they're not perfect, but God uses their gifts and talents like he uses your gifts and talents in other areas. But the other, thing, other end of the spectrum that God also works through is prayer. God works through prayer. And I've seen and heard experiences where people have had um, particular diseases and they've, the doctor said, look, you're going to have to have an operation. And then when they've gone to have some final checkups before the operation, the doctor said, the problem's no longer there. And all they could put it down to is this miraculous prayer that God has worked through. We don't know why, we don't know how. And sometimes, and I would say a lot of the times God works through both at the same time. Some of you know my story is that when I first moved to Sydney, I was diagnosed with cancer in the kidney and things moved fairly quickly. And it was through a urologist um, um, identifying and talk, talking things. But my recovery, I would feel, occurred quite quickly. And I would say, I have to put it down to the God at work and the trained professionals. And so this health has been part of the scriptures and continues to be part of the church life. Another significant part of this is when you think of public hospitals. Most of us take public hospitals for granted. Now, there were some versions of hospitals before this happened, but most of them were for the elite or for a select group of people. But the first public hospitals in history were started and operated by the church, by Christian groups. They were the first ones that made them available to the wider public. After the first council of Nicaea, which is one of the first councils where we had the Nicene Creed, but after that first council, every cathedral also had a public hospital as part of it, a place where the sick could come and be cared for physically and looked after. And here's the interesting aspect, and it's a bit of a, a quirk of history, and we can say Protestantism caused hospitals to be more secular than less Christian because what happened in the 16th century hospitals began to be operated by the government. And the reason was the church didn't have as much funds because they were no longer saying to people, you must give money to go to heaven. And as a result, some churches couldn't operate the hospitals to the full extent. But the good news is that the the churches and Christians have never given up on this method of healthcare. If you go to America, there's even Lutheran hospitals. If you look around here, St Vincent's Hospital has got the background of Christianity behind it. And so there are many hospitals and healthcare organisations run by Christian organisations. And the other important part about that, that Christians had this view of operating hospitals for everyone, not just who were Christians. Unlike, and there was, as I said, there were some groups operating hospitals before this, but they were only operating for the elite or for the Roman soldiers or for the, the select group of people. And so when you look about the, both the biblical and the history of Christianity, healing and healthcare has been a significant part of this Christian life. And you may be a person who, when you get sick, does pray. 
And I pray it's not just when you get sick, oh God, heal me now, but you continue to pray for good health, but you also rely and trust on God's prayer. But I'd also encourage you to see those other gifts as well. Both the prayer and the other gifts, the trained professionals are important. Now let's have a look a bit deeper in John chapter 5. John chapter 5 is, a, is an interesting story for us to look at and some key points to note. First of all, there is a large number of people who are gathered at a healing pool, we could call it. Um, they're all needing healing. There, there's, it says there's a large number that are gathered there. Yet Jesus only focuses on one person. One person who has been an invalid for 38 years. Now, 38 years for some of you doesn't sound that old, but many of the scholars and commentators make this point. 38 years mean this person has lived a significant amount of life already. Right? People died a lot younger in those days. And so this person, for a significant amount of life, had been invalid, been a person who was unable to walk. The other thing you'll pick up, and you only really pick it up if you read a bit further, the next few verses, is that this man did not know Jesus when Jesus interacted with him. This man did not have faith. And the last thing to keep in mind, which actually causes Jesus some trouble a bit later on, Jesus did the healing on the Sabbath. Jesus heals on the Sabbath, which caused the man some problems, but also causes them Jesus some problems because the Jewish leaders who had seen him were saying, hey, you're not supposed to be doing anything on the Sabbath. And remember, Jesus at one stage says to us, Sabbath, man is not made for Sabbath. Sabbath is made for man. The idea of Sabbath and taking rest is an important aspect of our journey of faith. One of the things I would challenge you is if you have a busy seven days a week is that you are not really living in a healthy way. All of us need to take time to rest and be restored by God. That's the gift of the Sabbath. But it doesn't mean we ignore people who are in trouble or are needing help. As Jesus shows in a number of examples throughout the New Testament, including this one, where he sees somebody in need and he goes and helps them. One of the problems we can get into as Christians is we can have our rules and our regulations and our code of ethics and the way we live and we can use that to justify not helping or showing love or care to people. As Christians, God calls us not just to love him, but also to love others. And so this idea of the Sabbath is good for us. We should be resting regularly with God. Sabbath is not just about rest. It's not about going to the beach and Dan go down to the beach and get sunburnt. Um, it's about resting with God, praying, reading, worshipping. And that's why you see in Acts, the Christians gathered regularly on the Sunday to rest with God. Well, let's have a look now at a bit closer interactions that Jesus has with this man. This man who has been incapacitated for 38 years, who has been seeking healing. Let's have a look at this interaction. When Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he'd been in this condition for a long time, he asked them, do you want to get well? Have you ever been to the doctor? Has the doctor ever asked you that question? Or he just assumed? I think my doctor assumes, do you want to get well? But I will say there is a bit of power in Someone like Jesus asking that question, he's giving, he's, he's not assuming. 
He's not assuming anything. Or he's at least giving the person some responsibility. Maybe the person is okay. I don't know. But listen to the response that the man gives. He doesn't say, yeah, I want to get well. He says this, sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I'm trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. In other words, he's probably, he may have heard Jesus's question, do you want to get well, is how come you're not well yet? There's a pool there. He made all these assumptions himself about what Jesus was saying. And we do that from time to time, don't we? When people ask a question, we kind of think, what's the agenda for that question? And we sometimes respond on based on their agenda. But what happens here is he gives that response of that, I'm not well because I haven't been able to get down to the pool in time where it's been stirred. Now, what's not clear in this version of the story is that the stirring of the pool is by a spiritual stirring. And so when you see this interaction, a couple of things to keep in mind. First of all, Jesus asks the man, doesn't just assume that he wants to get well. It's very easy for us to assume what other people want, especially when we don't live in their shoes. But we should always, but he asks and he gives power to the man to be able to say that yes, he wants to get well. And by his response, I would say Jesus has said, yeah, he does want to get well. You see, the answer of the man suggests he wants to be healed, but there are barriers. And he's probably focused on the barriers. You know, and I know what it's like to be focused on the barriers. For the last 18 months, I've been trying to get a couple of things fixed at the manse, and tradesmen haven't showed up, or it's been raining, or something's gone wrong, and it's been a problem. And I kind of give up and go, oh, what's the point? The next phone call I make, no one's going to show up, or it's not going to happen. Have a guess what happens when you focus on the barriers? Nothing. You stay in that base. And that's what he was doing, was focusing on the barriers and putting the blame across. And so we have this interaction with Jesus. And so Jesus could have left him there and could have thought, oh, he's difficult, which is if you've ever encountered somebody who's focused on the barriers and negatives, it's easy to to leave them alone. But Jesus doesn't. Jesus continues this interaction with the man. Now, here is something that's interesting to keep in mind. Then Jesus said to him, get up, pick your mat and walk. And once the man was cured, he picked up his mat and walked. One of the things we should keep in mind is that the, the, around that era of time is that spiritually, that's where a lot of healing, both physically and mentally, took place. And that's what we see in the scriptures There's a lot missing, isn't there? You know, the, the man's not well and then all of a sudden, so we will put this as one of Jesus' miracles. But one of the things that strike me when I think about this is Jesus could have said, look, I'll help you down to the pool and you'll be healed or I'll, make, I'll push everybody else out of the road and you'll be healed, but he doesn't. He simply says these words, get up, pick up your mat and walk. And once the man was cured, he picked up his mat and walked. The actions of Jesus leave no doubt for that man that, that it is Jesus healing and not the healing pool. The man didn't have to touch the pool. He didn't have to touch anything. Now, what's interesting is some of us at times have um, superstitions. 
that we have in life. And we may not call it superstitious, particularly if we're, we see ourselves as good Christians, but there are things that we do and we think if we don't do that, this is going to happen. Right? I remember being involved in a football club and this football club was probably the most, um, I'll say, non-religious in that most of the people did not believe in faith and saw as wacky. However, a number of them, one bloke in particular, who was probably the most irreligious, said, oh, one day... I've left, I've left my special underwear at home. I'm not going to have a good game. Right? And he didn't. And he blamed that. Right? And he had this one pair of underwear that he wore for the whole year. Mind you, he washed it in between. But that's superstition. We all, and some of you may think you've got some superstitions. And here's this situation where there's this healing pool. That's why there's all these people. And they would have seen or heard stories of things happening. And so people went there and they put their faith in the healing pool, but not in God. What happens here is Jesus makes it very clear that it's not the healing pool that does the healing. It's God that's him doing the healing. And then later, which we didn't hear in today's reading, but is part of the story, later Jesus found this man at the temple. And what's happened, this man has gone somewhere with his mat and the Jewish leaders have told him off for carrying his mat on a, on a Sabbath because that was deemed to be work. And he finds him at the temple and, and they asked, who, and he didn't know who had healed him. This was the interesting thing. He did not know that it was Jesus because Jesus had disappeared. But later Jesus found him at the temple and said to him, See, you are well again. And then he says something interesting. He doesn't stop there. He doesn't say, oh, it's good that you're well. Go on, living, do what you want. He says this, stop sinning or something worse may happen to you. The man went away and told the Jewish leaders that it was Jesus who had made him well. He'd actually recognised Jesus. Now, here is a problem that can occur sometimes when people read this that they think the sin is the cause of his bad health and therefore they make this false conclusion that everyone who's got bad health therefore has done something sinful and wrong and deserves it. That's not the case. What is the case to keep in mind is that um, Jesus says, now, now you're healed, go on living a holy life, a good life. And if you remember that we are all saints and sinners, that we all have a love by God, that we are just like Ishadis, who we baptise today, is a loved child of God. We're all a loved child of God. But we also sin in our life and we think selfishly and we do things for ourselves that we need to hear these words too to stop sinning. And in particular, to stop sinning which some scholars suggest this article, this story is pointing to, stop sinning in trusting in other things apart from God. Stop sinning in trusting in other things apart from God to get you eternal life. You see, the healing, the healing leads you to, leads this man to a deeper spiritual conversation, to a deeper spiritual reflection. One of the things that I've noticed is people who have got dramatically sick and then recovered have often found themselves, particularly if they're a person of faith or connected to faith, wanting to connect with God more, 
wanting to go deeper into what God has to say. And I heard it from one person said, my healing on this life is only a temporary healing. But the permanent healing comes from me through the death and resurrection of Jesus because I gain forgiveness of sins. And so what does all this mean for us as we live in this world, live as people of faith with this thing of healing? One of our biggest problems is that when we think of healing, we think of professionals and we go to the doctors and yes, they are all gifts from God. But there is also a broader aspect of that. So first of all, recognise where you need healing in life. Be honest about that. Now, I go to the doctor quite regularly because of my um, situation of having that cancer and also having diabetes and a type 2 and, a, and, and being awake I shouldn't be. So all those things combined mean I go to the doctor quite frequently. And one of the things I want the doctor to tell me is what is wrong. And he often says, what do you think's wrong? Right? Partly because he's on a quick time. But if there's something that's not quite right, he always says, go and get this test done or go and get this done to diagnose that. Can I encourage you to think about your life, to reflect on this is, where do you need healing? Maybe you need physical healing. Maybe you need emotional healing. Maybe you need something to do with mentally healing. Maybe you need relational healing. Maybe there's relationships in your life that are not healthy or not going well or are broken Maybe you need spiritual healing and then you have this issue with God and you kind of push God to some distance or you think God's going to condemn you and you need to hear the love and the grace that God has. And that's one of the first helpful things to healing. As, as my doctor says to me, look Richard, you'll never get healed unless you recognise where you need healing. The second thing is recognising all, recognise all true healing is an ultimate gift from God. Now, I think some of the saddest things I've heard from some Christians is he goes, I don't need to go to the doctor, I've got faith and I'm just going to pray. And yet they have a terrible disease or they have some difficult problems. And I've got no problems with them praying. But also, let's remember the doctors are gifts from God. What was interesting is my urologist, who I'm pretty sure wasn't a Christian, because he said after I'd gone back to my last consultation with him, he said, look, I don't know what's happened, but I'm pretty sure you must have been praying good to God because everything's gone better than we expected. It wouldn't have happened if I hadn't met him. I doubt. But I do know that God was at work, both through him and through prayer. The third thing is, don't stop at the barriers. Focus on Jesus. And sometimes with healing, particularly when you get older, you may have a number of health conditions, number of health issues, and you become, there's no hope, I can't get better, I can't get anything else. Can I encourage you to keep praying? Can I encourage you to keep trusting God? Can I encourage you to ask God, well, God, use me in this situation that I'm in for your glory, to, to, help, to know your love and grace more? Sometimes it needs more patience. Sometimes it just needs to accept the situation you're in and let work with God and help you through that scenario. When I visited one lady in palliative care, and palliative care is where a person basically goes before they're going to die, um, and she was in a lot of pain and she was receiving 
hope and she wanted prayer quite regularly so I had basically daily prayer with her either in person or over the phone and was spending time with her and I, I said, oh, how are you coping? What, what's your biggest problem at the moment? She goes, oh, I'm not worried about stuff at the moment. Everyone's taking care of me. What I'm worried about is will I cross over and be with Jesus forever? She was a Christian. She trusted in Jesus and so my comments to her was, Jesus is with you now. He'll walk with you to heaven. And fourthly, in living the faith as a disciple of Jesus, don't just be a person who seeks healing for yourself, but be involved in God's healing. Be involved in the ministry of bringing healing to others. Pray for people. Pray for people, especially when they're sick. One of the things that I've had the privilege to do is pray for people who I've never known because I've been placed in the situation to meet them when they haven't been well. And that brings a a special type of healing. Sometimes it's been healing that is not the physical healing, but it's bring a, a peaceful healing to their lives. Pray for people you know and ask, can you pray for them? Care for people. Help people see that healing is a gift from God. And also bring the healing words of Jesus to people. Because many people have this view of God or their expectation of who God is. And I hear it quite frequently that people have this problem with God because they think he's either judgmental, he's going to tell them off, he doesn't love them, or they're not sure um, whether they're good enough. Some of the healing words that Jesus gives us is that he loves us, that he came into this world to save the world, not condemn the world, that he's here to show his grace, that he accepts anyone of any age into his church and remind people there is always a place for them no matter who they are. And lastly, live focused on the ultimate spiritual healing of Jesus. You see, the purpose of the cross and the purpose of the resurrection is to give us that spiritual healing. It's to give us the healing of forgiveness of sins and to give us eternal, healthy life. Where Revelation and First Peter talk about a life with no pain, no death, no sin, no conflict. Could you imagine living in a life like that? And so my prayer for you as we live this life as Christians is to constantly relying on God for healing and recognising that God heals in different ways. There's no process, there's no kind of manual that God gives us in the Bible and goes, this is about how he goes about healing. Sometimes he heals, there's stories of Jesus healing and saying to them, you're healed because of your faith. Sometimes he heals, just like today, the person didn't even know who who was speaking to him when he was healed. But let's keep trusting in Jesus and trusting in him to heal us in the ways he calls and brings healing to us. And so I invite you, if you wish, to join in a prayer with us. I'll pray this prayer, but there is a time of silence where you may wish to pray for healing specifically for something in your life. Let us pray. Healing God, we live in a broken world which needs your healing. Bring healing to me, especially in the areas of
Help me also to be a person who brings your healing words and power to others. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. May you go knowing God loves you. May you go knowing God is with you and that he gives you what we need for health. But also importantly, remember this, this life is a temporary life and the real healthy life is with God in heaven forever, made possible by Jesus. Go in his peace and go with his love. Amen.